We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are live. It's the Field of 68 After Dark presented by Bet Rivers. My name is Greg Waddell with Sleepers Media. With me, as always, my Sleepers Media co-host, Carter Elliott, and Sports Illustrated's own Kevin Sweeney. Sweeney, I'll start with you. How are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm in, I'm in bright spirits. Always happy to be with you guys. And uh, always happy to be on Field of 68 After Dark. So it couldn't be a better evening. Cart, you feeling good? You look good, my friend. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, go ahead and double down on what Sweeney said because one, I'm on After Dark, and two, the boy also got a cut today. I don't know if he can, I don't know if Dagan's doing me any justice on the producer side, but you know, got the nice little taper, nice little day, nice little night of college basketball, and then, you know, wrap it up with Greg and Sweeney. Just really doesn't get much better than that. No better way to spend a Friday night. And I know Carter's also got his eye on this Michigan Illinois game. As we speak at this moment, there's just under two minutes left. Illinois has got about a 12-point lead. I think it's safe to assume, barring some miraculous comeback, which does not seem to be in the cards, the Fighting Illini are going to walk away with a win tonight. Uh, some bettors over at Bet Rivers may want to watch the next two minutes because I believe that line ended up at Illinois minus 9.5, even with the news that star big man for Michigan, Hunter Dickinson, was going to miss this game. This was a late scratch. He was available to play. As far as traveling to the game goes, he did not come out for layup lines. He was officially ruled out for quote unquote conditioning. Uh, you'd have to think that that's a result of potential COVID related symptoms after their last week. Uh, no Hunter Dickinson, also worth mentioning, no Brandon Johns. I think a lot of people expect in Michigan to come out and really just get ran off the floor in this game by an Illinois program who one is at the top of the Big Ten right now and two has not lacked for motivation when playing the Michigan Wolverines over the last year and a half. Uh, it's now a 15-point game, so it could end up being a little bit more of a blowout on the scoreboard than it was for the majority of the game. But, fellas, let's start with you, Kevin Sweeney. What's your takeaway? Was the story of this game just that Dickinson was out and Michigan couldn't survive? Uh, or is this more about maybe Illinois has some deeper issues here that caused this to be a competitive game throughout? You know, I, I will say this. I think Michigan, it's been obvious they've had some chemistry issues this season. And, and sometimes when you go into like a complete us against the world game where you have, you, you're without your best player, you're on the road, you're a significant underdog, it can sort of fire up, uh, fire up things and, and solve some of those chemistry issues. And I felt like Michigan played a little bit more cohesively today and they played really, really hard. Right. I don't think anyone can fault Michigan's effort in this game. They don't have the horses without Hunter Dickinson to win a game like this, particularly without Brandon Johns as well. They didn't have the bodies to send it at, at uh, Kofi Coburn, who you know has dominated this ball game. He is 21 and 10 at this moment. He might add to that total. He may be done for the day. Um, regardless, he's been his traditional national player of the year self. You know, I thought the effort was there for Michigan. The battle was there. You know, they just didn't have their guy. And I think when Illinois is playing the way they are right now with their two guards and Frazier and Plummer, you know, hitting shots on the perimeter and then Coburn dominating on the inside, they're just really tough to beat, especially with the orange crush in front of them. So I, I think it went about as I expected. I think maybe this is something to build on, build on effort wise for Michigan. Uh, but obviously the road ahead continues to be challenging for, for this team as they work their way back from COVID and work their way back, back, way back from some tough losses that will make it difficult to, you know, reestablish themselves in NCAA tournament form. Carter, you and I were talking before the game today when the line came out over at Bet Rivers. 
I believe the word disrespectful was thrown around. I mean, this is still a Michigan team that has a lot of talent, given their struggles. You and I have, have not been uh, overly nice to Michigan in the fa- past few weeks. We've been critical because this team deserves to be analyzed critically based on the effort of some of their losses this season. This is a team that it has appeared they sort of hit a wall or the other team throws a punch at them. And if there's 10 minutes left and the other team keeps throwing punches, they've seemed to sort of just wilt under pressure and shy away from the big moment. Now, tonight, Carter, I don't think that happened. I think, to Sweeney's point, this is the hardest this Michigan team has played in a very long time. Did you come away with the same takeaway from watching this game? No, I definitely did because, I mean, coming into this game, they were fighting an uphill battle in general. I mean, coming off the COVID pause, coming off, you know, a couple hard games. In that Rutgers game, not only did they lose, but, you know, their toughness, their effort was questioned. And then before this game, Hunter Dickinson gets, you know, ruled out of the game. So they had every reason to lay down and kind of die in this game. But, you know, they played extremely hard in the first half. I mean, not necessarily well, I would say. I think there were some bright spots. Devontae Jones kind of asserted himself. I thought even guys like, honestly, we got to give a little bit of credit to the dudes like Jace Howard and Jerron Falls for going out there and banging with Kofi Coburn and actually giving him some troubles in the first half. I'm not saying they really, you know, locked him down or anything, but they definitely gave him some trouble. So look, it's a tough game to play. It got even tougher when your best player gets ruled out and there was a lot against them and they played extremely hard tonight. Like, I mean, you can't really expect them to win this game without their best player. So all in all, I think it's something that Michigan can build on. Um, And I think they need to do their best to build on it instead of feeding into the negative side, because there are going to be some thoughts on this game based on the fact that they're playing a lot better without Hunter Dickinson, because we've been hearing a couple of things. So, you know, it's, it's good to see them come out and play extremely hard, but also a good win by Illinois kind of taking the best punch from Michigan and, you know, getting this win. Yeah. I do want to give credit to Jace Howard. As you mentioned, look, Jace Howard, Jawan's son, six foot seven sophomore. On a year, I mean, he doesn't play. He's not a rotation player, but he averages 1.1 rebound, 0.3 assists per game, 40% shooting. Like, he's not a rotation player for Michigan. And all of a sudden, tonight, he finds himself in Champaign, matched up with Kofi Coburn, arguably the most dominant singular player in college basketball, at least physically. And to your point, Cart, he battled. Uh, I think all the guys that Michigan threw at Kofi tonight battled. They kept it close. Uh, This was a one-point game with 10 minutes left before Illinois finally proved to be too much. Uh, Look, I I think we have to address the elephant in the room here, and we're not going to go anywhere near saying or questioning Hunter Dickinson's motivation for this game. We're not going to do that on this show. But I think it's also fair to say, Carter, you and I, all three of us, we were at Big Ten Media Day. We saw and heard Hunter Dickinson go right up to that spotlight and tell anyone with a camera that would listen that he didn't like Illinois. And I don't want to analyze why he didn't play in this game because I don't think that's fair to him. And there's just no realistic way that if Hunter Dickinson could truly play tonight's game, he wouldn't play it. But I think it is fair to analyze Hunter Dickinson's performance this season relative to how Michigan played tonight because Hunter Dickinson was a preseason All-American. He's one of the only preseason All-Americans who is very clearly not playing at an All-American level right now. He went from arguably a top two, three player in the Big Ten to maybe a second-team All-Big Ten guy based on his performance this season. And then you throw in the fact that this Michigan team just hasn't looked like they've played with very much heart when he's on the floor. And tonight they played with a ton of heart with him off the floor. What do we make of that? You know, I I attribute it more to the so the fact that I think the guys on the Michigan team kind of came together and like, all right, they're counting us out. Now they're really counting us out because Hunter's not here, but let's go show them. We can still play basketball. I know that had to be a self-motivating factor in this game. I don't necessarily think it was a, Oh, like Hunter's out, you know, let's play with heart all of a sudden. I think it was collectively. You had a group of guys who knew they were fighting an uphill battle. They still um, quote. I mean, I think they like each other. Who knows? I mean, they might not, but I think they like each other. They want to play for the brothers. They want to win this basketball game. They want to come out and play hard. You got guys that normally aren't playing a lot. This is a big chance for them to get some more minutes and come show they can do something. So I think the guys just came together and they th- they said, you know what? Let's let's go let's go out there and show them we can still hoop. Like we're still good basketball players with or without Hunter. That's no disrespect to him, but we're still players on this Michigan basketball team. We got to go out there and put up a fight, try to win this game. I mean, I think the thing you see today is 
the fact that Michigan does not have the talent to be in games against the best teams in the Big Ten when they don't have Hunter Dickinson, right? And I think, look, you know, Hunter has not lived up to the standard that he set last season. Part of that is the circumstance, right? The talent is not as good. And the type of player that surrounds Hunter Dickinson this year is not the type of player that surrounded him last year in terms of last year, obviously it was shooting, it was ball handling, it was skill, it was switchability this year. It's kind of like oversized power forwards and undersized combo guards. And like, it's just not the, it's not the mix. And we've talked about this in, you know, previous days, previous shows, you know, Michigan's issues at this point have been well-documented, but I think it's obvious that Michigan can't go where it needs to go without Hunter Dickinson and without, you know, fully engaged Hunter Dickinson. I think, you know, what's important is that the effort from today carries over the, you know, I I think too many times this year, Michigan has looked like a white collar basketball team. Right. And that's a reflection I think of, of your best player and your best players, Hunter Dickinson. And I think today it's a big night to, use the term white collar with Michigan with the history with that term. That's an Illinois fighting a line. I use term on the Michigan Wolverines. Well, I didn't know that, but oh, you did I, you not know this, this year's the story. So uh, I forget the exact year, but this was back at the end of the beeline days. Um, they also Davidson just won on a ridiculous pull up three, basically with three seconds left to pull away. From Please Red tell Red. me it was foster lawyer. It was not foster lawyer. Well, but, that's uh, amazing because I bought, I bought Michigan up to plus 13 on Bet Rivers and Caleb Houston smoked the layup at the end. Well, that's tough. Uh, the white, the white collar history was the end of the beeline days, the year that Michigan had the, the plane off the runway before the ah, tournament. Yes. They yes. had a, they had a noon tip against Illinois. And leading up to that game, I forget which Illinois player said it, but one of the players uh, used the term white collar to describe the Michigan basketball program. They proceeded to show up in their practice jerseys and beat Illinois before then running, uh, making a run to the Big Ten tournament title. I think think regardless of white collar or not, I think Michigan has played like a team that was anointed this year. I think you've seen it all year long. And I thought today when – if the world is against them, you just got an edge. And, and, and that edge is necessary for the rest of the way. Because at this point, like, there's some desperation that needs to be had with this Michigan Wolverine team, right? You're seven and seven. You're one and three in the league. There's not a ton of room for error to get to the NCAA tournament when you're staring down, oh, we've got to go play on the road at Indiana. Oh, we've got to still go play on the road at Michigan State. Oh, we still got to you know, go play at Purdue, right? There's a lot of games that are like pencil and losses right now on the rest of the schedule, you know, you're going to have to win some games you're not supposed to. You're going to have to go in some, some tough environments. You're going to have to have kind of an us-against-the-world mentality. And I thought today that mentality showed they just need to reintegrate Hunter and see if they can, uh, can pull, find a way to win one of these ballgames. And, and, and to just add to that a little bit, I think that's a big part of this game. I think that because Hunter sat out this game, he should have been kind of on the sideline looking like, look, this team's out there. They left it out there. Like, credit to Michigan. They left it on the line without him out there. He needs to go out there. They need to have that same effort. He needs to go do, he needs to go be the All-American he can be. Like Hunter Dickinson is easily capable of being a 20 and 10 college basketball player. Like that, that should be an attainable goal for him. And that's what this Michigan team needs. If they, I mean, not, I wouldn't even say be good. They want to make the tournament this year. Hunter's going to have to be an All-American 2010 type guy. Match that also with the effort that we saw tonight from this Michigan team from the other guys. And I think that they'll have a shot to make a run and make the tournament, but it is going to take an all out effort and a 20 and 10 type performance from Hunter Dickinson and an all out effort from the other guys on this team. So, you know, pat themselves on the back for putting up a fight, but also moral victories. You know, they don't really count those. Those aren't, those aren't quad one, quad two, quad nothing. Moral victories don't do anything. Got to win the basketball game. So moral, moral victories is for minor league coaches, Michigan seven and seven on the season probably would be seven and nine had they played Michigan state and Purdue last week, by the way, Michael Jones was the player who hit the game winner for Davidson. Uh, again, shout out Michael Jones, Davidson. We see you electric finish that game. Let's talk about Illinois though. Andre Corbella has been out. I, I mean, they really struggle with Andre Corbella early in the season. He's been out. They've went on a pretty crazy run. They sit alone in first place in the big 10 right now. Well, not alone with Michigan state, um, but they've got a big one coming up. They're going to play Purdue Monday of next week. A Purdue team who they are two games ahead of in the conference standings right now. 
Sweeney, if I told you that Illinois is my runaway favorite to win the Big Ten, am I crazy for that? I think runaway would feel a little crazy. I don't think there's anyone who's going to run away, run away with this league, but I wouldn't be surprised if they win it. And I don't, I don't think I'd argue with someone who said they're the favorite right now. I mean, look, Kofi is so dominant. And I mean, we, we, we remarked on this before we got on the air. Uh, Kofi is just like so ginormous. I mean, he made Musa Diabate, when you watch him play against literally anyone else, looks huge. You're like, holy, you know, how is this guy a freshman? He looked like a toddler next to Kofi Comer. Like his arms were like half the width of Kofi's arms. Kofi dominated on the inside. He got, you know, Michigan kept sending different bodies. It didn't matter. Um, He's a centerpiece to a national title caliber team. There's no question. Um, And and when Plummer and Frazier continue to play with the confidence that they've played with, really, I think, I think a huge turning point for this team confidence wise was the Arizona game. And it sounds weird to say, because they were starting to figure it out before Plummer was starting to hit shots. But I think there was a a big confidence boost for these guys of our guards can go win us a basketball game or give us a shot to win a basketball game. Because Kofi had maybe the worst game of his Illinois career, or certainly the last two years. I mean, he has been so good. He was awful in this game in in many ways. And I just felt like Frazier and Plummer gave that team so much confidence because of the way they were able to hit shots. And, and I remember Brad Underwood in that press conference afterwards said, like, we have to be tougher. We have to be tougher. We don't really want to defend right now. Like, we're not, you know, we don't have anyone other than Trent that wants to go out and guard. And I was like, man, you just carried, you know, you just went to the wire with a top five team, a team that's undefeated at the time. Like, and that's your reaction. We're not tough enough. And I think they had a layoff after that. They played a bye game. They kicked Missouri's teeth in. And I think ever since then, they've come back and they've had that chip. They've had that edge. They've had that toughness. And you combine that with the talent that they have, a pretty darn good basketball team right there. Carter, you're a Michigan State fan. If I asked you, as a Michigan State fan, are you more afraid of Illinois or Purdue? What's your answer? Hmm. I am still more afraid of Purdue. I'm still more afraid of Purdue. Um, I will not fully get out on Purdue just because of the, just the pure talent, like despite the defensive inefficiencies that they had and defensive kind of lapses that they have, like, it's just so hard to ignore this team's talent. Like it's completely unfair that as a big man in the big 10, you play the first five to 10 minutes of the game against Zach Eady. And then your break is that they bring in Travion Williams. Like that is like, that's gotta be demoralizing to see Travion Williams walk to the table to sub in after you just got done battling with Zach Eady. But to speak more on Illinois, I think that it's just working out extremely well because, and this is like no slight on a player like Andre Cabello because I think he's a good basketball player, a good college basketball player. I just think that right now they're running great offense around who their best player is and who their most dominant player is, and that's Kofi, right? They basically have a dominant force on the inside, and then you surround him with guys that are shooting either 40% or above 40% from three or damn near close to 40% from three. So if you send a double – all Kofi has to do is kick out to 40% three-point shooters if you or 40% three-point shooters. If they don't send a double, Kofi's scoring. Like it's great offense. And then Trent Frazier, I just I know he gets a lot of credit um, from a lot of guys across college basketball, but I mean, what he's done this year on both sides of the ball has just been, been great to see. I mean, that's the great part of college basketball when guys come back and it's just like he's just he's in that mode. He's like, this is the last year. I'm locking up on defense, I'm hitting shots. And he's been running the pick and roll beautifully as well. I mean, like a pick and roll with him and Kofi is very hard to stop because if you don't get over that screen, Frazier's knocking it down. If you get over, you hit Kofi on the roll. I mean, there's just so many options. The offense is working extremely well. And, I mean, they're playing really good basketball right now. Credit to them bouncing back from the tough games they had at the start of the year. Yeah, Trent's so a dog. Right. Trent's a dog. I just yeah. want to put that out there. Like, oh. we talked about his offense and everything he does there. We didn't mention, like – he locks dudes down every single game. Yes. And no one, like, I don't think people realize the amount of effort it takes to be as good as he is on defense with the amount of load they're putting on him on offense and the amount of minutes he's playing. Like, he is playing, I think, like 35 minutes a game at this yeah. point. Yeah. No, yeah he, played I, 35, I, he played 35 today against Michigan, 38 against Nebraska, all 40 against Maryland. 
He got, got, got off his feet a little bit against Minnesota. He played 28 minutes. But, like, in the last eight days, he's played 35, 38, and 40 minutes in his three games. He's balled out in every single one of them. And, oh, by the way, he's a big-time defender. Like, that kid is the most underappreciated player in college basketball right now. Facts. He gets no respect. Facts. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of talk amongst Big Ten circles of, like, who's the best backcourt because there's all these front court stars, but who's got a good backcourt in this conference. And look, obviously the answer, if you're going to count him as a guard is whoever has Johnny Davis. Uh, if we're going to count Johnny Davis as a wing, I'd put all my money on the Illinois backcourt because to all your points about Frazier, I would argue that Alfonso Plummer might be the best shooter in the country. I mean, this guy's shooting seven and a half threes a game at a 41% clip shooting 97% from the free throw line. I have seen Alfonso Plummer tape. I had seen him at his prior stop. I never thought this guy would make the impact he's done at Illinois. Uh, and it's going to be very fascinating to see how they bake Andre Corbello back in as soon as he is fully back active. We're going to move in just a moment to the other big monster at the top of the Big Ten. Uh, but first, we are the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Greg Waddell. I am here with Kevin Sweeney and Carter Elliott. Powered by Bet Rivers. And soon, folks, if you like what you hear, you can head on over to SiriusXM and hear the Field of 68 after dark every single night on Sirius on the airways. Boys, let's move to Purdue. As we mentioned, they're traveling to Champaign for the big showdown against Illinois. But tonight, Purdue, a 92 to 65 victory. They were 20 and a half point favorites over at Bet Rivers, and they took care of business. They just did what they do when Purdue fires on all cylinders. Zach Eady, 22 points, nine rebounds. Jay Nivey, 17 points, five and four. Travion Williams, a quiet 10 and five off the bench tonight, but they didn't need it. And the scary thing is they shot 31% from three in this blowout. I mean, this was just utter domination against a Nebraska team who, if we're being honest, might not win a Big Ten game this entire season, but... That didn't take away from how impressed I was with Purdue tonight. Carter, what was your takeaway on the Boilermakers? Yeah, I mean, I was impressed by Purdue just, just from a pure, talent, a, pure, a pure talent standpoint. Like, just watching those guys, like I said, you have Travion Williams, Jay Nivey. I mean, they just have so many weapons that they can send at you. Um, but, you know, it was a 30-point win. It was a blowout win, but also at the same time, I thought Nebraska was getting like some pretty good shots, some pretty good looks. They were dropping a lot of pick and roll drop offs from Alonzo Verge. Um, you know, it's a win. It was a 30 point win. It was a dominant win. But at the same time, those defensive questions still pop up with me with Purdue. And when they have to go up against an efficient and a well oiled, well run offense, what are they going to do? But, you know, at the end of the day, the talent just kind of the cream rolls to the, the top with this Purdue team. So, you know, good win for them, but I still think they have some things to work on defensively. I think they have a yeah, lot I mean, of things to work on. I mean, you mentioned defensively, can we talk about the point guard spot for this Purdue team? Because I look, when I watch this team, they, rem, they, they just remind me of teams in the past. I don't want to use any term that's going to bite me here that Carter and I are prone to use on teams we don't like, but Purdue reminds me of teams in the past who assert their dominance against teams that just don't have enough to match up. And that's what I saw tonight uh, in past games. I mean, against high majors this year, they blew out Butler. They blew out Florida State, who has some size inside. But we've kind of seen what Florida State is at this point. But Purdue tonight, this is their fifth Big Ten game. This is the first time they've covered the spread in five games in Big Ten play, even against not top-tier Big Ten opponents. So, I, look, I know they're talented. I know they're, they're extremely big, they're strong, all that. But I'm curious if these puzzle pieces fit or if there's just not maybe the emotional, I don't know, toughness might be the word. But, like, I want to see them do this to a great team that I really respect and think is tough. And honestly, like, if it can't go through the post, I'm not sure I trust what they have in the backcourt to get that done. What's your take on their backcourt, Sweeney? I don't trust them in the half court. I think that's a key uh, distinction. I think Purdue has been at its best all season long when they've been able to push the pace a little bit, which feels odd, right? Because you're sitting there you're like, okay, this is a team that relies on, you know, getting it, getting post touches. And like, that's absolutely true. But I think their offense goes to another gear when they can kind of hunt threes in transition. And I think you've seen some of the games where they've struggled a little bit more. 
teams have been able to keep the score down and keep the pace under control. Wisconsin sucked the life out of that game a couple of weeks ago when they were that that was like 10 days ago. That feels like a year. I mean, but literally like, you know, they sucked the life out of that game. They made a play entirely in the half court. They really took Jaden Ivey out of it for long stretches and said, all right, if you're going to beat us by playing through the post, every possession play for the post, every possession, that's okay. Right. They didn't give up those huge threes and the, the moment where Purdue was able to, build some separation and really dominate that game was when they got some open looks in, in, in semi-transition when Ivy could get ahead of steam. And, and I thought Penn state actually did a very good job of executing a similar game plan and hanging in the fight. And again, it helped obviously that, you know, Jalen Pickett hit some really tough shots and, you know, Greg Lee made some big plays and, you know, like the, the, the Penn state played very well, but at the same time, Purdue's offense almost has to be God tier for them to be, as good as they need to be because their defense just has some problems like personnel wise. I don't think the personnel is great to be elite on defense, right? Thompson's very small. You know, Stefanovic is a solid defender. He's on an elite defender. Um, you know, Edie has his issues in space and teams have been able to exploit that. I think as you've seen, uh, I certainly thought Villanova did a great job with that. I think you look, there's other games where they've been able to, you know, exploit the defensive woes for Purdue first has his issues as a freshman. Like they have enough defensive flaws where they just have to dominate an offense. And I think when they haven't been a complete inferno, you've been able to beat them. They've been beatable. And I think that all starts with keeping them out of transition. And that's what scares me for March with Purdue, because it all it takes is a coach and a good team to exploit those weaknesses. That's what happens in March. You run up to matchups, you run up to good coaching, and they're able to exploit those things that you don't do well. So it's something that, you know, they might be able to get, get away with some games in the Big Ten with that and some games, you know, moving forward. But once March hits and you run into a different, you know, different uh, crop of coaches, different crop of teams, they can game plan for that type of thing. And they know those weaknesses and they will expose them. So, you know, God-tier offense isn't going to get it done. Sweeney, you mentioned that Wisconsin-Purdue game was 10 days ago. It felt like a year. Just so you know, uh, in Big Ten – days that to translating to ACC years 10 days is actually two years so that's probably why it feels a little weird um look I I have two issues with Purdue that I think are going to end up preventing me personally from buying into this team come March or backing this team or putting any of my money over at Bet Rivers on this team to win the NCAA tournament um one as I mentioned the backcourt I just gotta see some trust from Matt Painter to Jaden Ivey when the moment is big. And now I, I'm sure they'll be tested in big games and maybe this will develop over the course of the season. They certainly haven't been tested a ton, but right now when it is a critical possession late, I don't really see Jaden Ivey involved in the half court. And again, that's probably because Travion Williams can be so dominant in the post. Zach Eady certainly can be dominant in the post, but guards win in March. And Jaden Ivey has a legitimate claim to being the best guard in the nation. And yet he's very uninvolved in the half court offense for this Purdue team at times. I think if I could see that start to manifest itself in the regular season a little bit, might put a little more confidence back in me. But the second thing with Purdue that bugs me, and this might just be a personal thing, guys, but they got too many dudes. And I know that sounds crazy, but like you guys have played basketball before you watched it for years, right? Like sometimes the team that has a tight seven-man rotation that plays four guys 30 minutes that are all future NBA guys and then just has role players around them is the perfect rotation. And what I see with Purdue is a team that has a lot of contributors. I think they got 11 guys that can give them good minutes. But I also can see from the outside looking in, what if they get in a tight game in the round of 32 against a chippy opponent that's making some threes, and then all of a sudden at the end of the game, Ethan Morton and Caleb first are on the floor and Mason Gillis is looking like, when am I getting in the game? Like there's just a ton of dudes and you still can't play Edie and Travion together. Um, I guess it's never bad to have dudes, but I kind of wish they would settle on a clear best five before we get to the tournament. It's, it's, it's a great problem to have though, I think. And I think with a coach like Matt Painter, and I think this team plays well enough together that they can figure it out. Like, look, it, you rather have this issue than be like a, be a Missouri or a Pitt 
okay, like this is way better than being in that position. So, you know, a coach like Matt to the pit, man, that was so unnecessary. So I, uncalled for. I mean, I mean, they earned it. <laughs> it is what it is. I can say that about half the ACC probably, but yeah, they, I mean, they'll, they'll figure it out. I think um, I would bet money that they would figure it out more so than not figure it out. It's got time, but you know, March is coming up quick, almost end of January. So it's time to, it's time to ramp it up and figure those issues out and tighten up. It's, it's really January 14th card. Yeah. It, it's not even halfway through January, my friend. It, and on Kevin Sweeney's timeline, we're eight years away from March. So we're good. Uh, hey, we're going to move in just a minute to talk about some mid-majors and specifically a mid-major who's on the opposite end of the spectrum with Purdue, where they have a very tight rotation, which I love. I just mentioned it. Uh, again, I'm Greg Waddell with Sleepers Media. With me, my counterpart, Carter Elliott, Kevin Sweeney from Sports Illustrated. We are on the field of 68 after dark powered by bet rivers all right let's get to our favorite mid-majors two of them that i think are legitimate sweet 16 run possibilities this season and maybe i'm even underselling those let's start with saint bonaventure who picks up a 20 point win against vcu tonight uh saint bonaventure i think widely accepted preseason as the best mid-major in the country they bring everybody back they've really settled in on a tight rotation uh, they've got a ton of seniors. Anybody can beat you on this team, but they've had some ups and downs. And it was good to see the Bonnies tonight get back to, I think, what they're capable of ceiling-wise in the A-10, which is really blowing anybody out any given night. There were some – there was desperation, I think, in, in St. Bonaventure today. And I think there is desperation moving forward. Look, this team has not lived up to the expectation, full stop. They have the talent with those five five senior starters. They have the experience, obviously, with those guys and, and what they've been through. But look, I mean, they trailed at halftime to Sienna to open the year. They trailed at half, and I didn't just do that third down because I got a longer point here. They trailed at halftime against Canisius. Um, they trailed at halftime to Clemson, I believe, by double digits. Um, if not, it was close to double digits. They struggled with. Loyola, Maryland, they lost at home to Northern Iowa. I mean, the just the losses don't do justice St. Bonaventure's issues from this season so far. I mean, they've had some some real, you know, struggles for a team that was in the top 25 in the preseason. And not only did they need a win, they needed a win that was convincing to remind people how good this team can be and to help their metrics. You know, their net was ugly coming into the day. Their Ken Palm was um, entering today, I believe, 70th. Yeah, it was 70 in Ken Palm coming today. When you're a mid-major, you're not going to have the huge resume wins. You need to have undisputable metrics. Their, their metrics were not good. And, and to win today, not just win, but win by 20, that, that really matters for this team. And look, we know they can get to where they need to be. We know they can win the A-10. The A-10 is wide open at the top. VCU has looked great lately. To beat them the way that they beat them today is incredibly impressive. And maybe they're back. But – you know, there were some real questions to answer coming into today, and, and the bodies definitely passed the test. Carter, you've had a love-hate relationship with the St. Bonaventure team. I know that because you and I collectively loved them preseason. Uh, we sort of had to talk our way out of loving them at a certain point. Are you back on the Bonnie's train after what you saw tonight? I am back on the Bonnie's train, and it's, it's really for this, this reason alone. Uh, you know, I think right now or with that game at VCU, we saw really the benefit – of the same Bonaventure team being a group of old guys who have been there before and basically look at each other. And they knew that it was time. It's time. Like they know they, in the back of their head, they know that they had close games and non-conference and bad losses. Like this is it for them. They know that. And they know they got to show that to the A-10 as well, because everyone in the A, when you mentioned the A-10 coming into conference play this year, people weren't even talking about St. Bonaventure. That's how bad they were playing in the non-conference. It was all Davidson, a lot of Richmond talk as well. I mean, not really any St. Bonaventure talk, but look, those guys knew that in that locker room. And I'm you just can't bet against great guard play in March. You already said it, Greg. And they got that. And they got a bunch of dogs on that team and dudes you're willing to go to war with. So, you know, I'm not counting them out. I think it shows that the grit and like the, you know, the, just the dog that this team has to be able to shake off that non-conference and those couple tough losses and to send a message to the A-10 that they're still here and they're still going to be tough to beat on any any, any given night. So great statement win by them to, you know, get it going, but, you know, long A-10 season ahead as well. 
Carter, it wouldn't be uh, the two of us on a show together if we didn't disagree at some point. I have to nitpick at you, my friend. This team was absolutely the hype team in the A-10 preseason. You, no, I, I, I think you were saying going to conference play. I'm saying going uh, in the conference play. Like yeah, the last, I mean, like, oh, week, yeah. Oh, yeah, they were – I mean, they were they were the bell of the ball, but then they got their ass, you know, left left behind when the limo pulled up. And then coming in the A-10 season, no one was was talking about them. But, you know, now Sambani's in the back. Yeah, they are back. Uh, and speaking of back, we had two of the best Bonnies uh, who had big performances tonight, Jaron Holmes and Jalen Attaway. We had a moment to talk to them right after their victory tonight against VCU. Check it out. All right, we are here with a couple fellas from St. Bonaventure, the Bonnies, off a massive win against BCU tonight. This is the first duo that we've had on the field of 68 after dark, as far as I know, for interviews. Jaron Holmes, Jalen Attaway, fellas, thank you so much for being here tonight. I want to start just by asking you, Jaron, I'll throw it your way. I'm a Michigan resident myself. I see you got the Detroit Muscle shirt on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This team, this team that you have with the Bonnies this year, so balanced, so experienced, five guys that score in double figures. It feels like any given night, any player can be the guy for you guys. What's it like to be on a team that has that type of threat? Honestly, blessing. I mean, you don't have to do too much. Uh, makes, um, you know, it, it opens up your game as well because um, other teams are trying to focus on a specific um, player out of the five or anybody on our team. Um, and that just allows you to get in a different type of gaps. Um, sometimes they might miss an assignment worrying about, um, you know, Jalen or Kyle or even Dom or Shum. So, and that's just an um, open shot for me. So it's honestly, it's, um, it's just, I'm very grateful to play with guys like this. Um, you know, we don't, it's funny. We don't care like at all who like goes mm-hmm. off. Like Jalen went off, what do you have? I thought he should have had a 30 piece. He had it like, he missed like two threes, but um, nah, it's my guy. So um, when he goes off like that, we're better. Um, when any of those guys go off, we're just, we're better. So it's a, it's a great win. It was, it was great to be out there. Jalen was doing his thing. And Jalen, obviously you, know, you led the way, you led the way today. You know, as an experienced group, you guys understand that the game like this against VCU has a big meaning, not just the A-10, but also for the NCAA tournament mix. Uh, for you guys, what's the mindset going into, you know, a matchup like a, a game against VCU, knowing, you know, how important it could be in, you know, eight weeks come Selection Sunday? Um, yeah, I don't – I mean, to an extent, you know, we think of it um, as, like, a little more important than other games. But, you know, we try to tackle every game with the same mentality, you know. But with today, just playing VCU and our past history, um, you know, we've just – you know, we try to turn it up that much more, you know, just because of how important it is. Um, you know, like I said, the history we got with them, you know, the good players they got and, um, you know, not trying to look too far ahead, you know, but just tackling it day by day um, and one game at a time. And I think we really capitalized on capitalized on it today. Jalen, I got a follow up for you. So you guys, I, I think rightfully so, had a lot of hype preseason as sort of the mid-major to watch bringing everybody back. You guys were really battle-tested. You played a bunch of good teams in the non-conference, Clemson, Marquette, UConn, Virginia Tech. Like, how do those battles that you've already gotten through prepare you for conference play in the A-10? I mean, they they prepare us a lot, you know, because seeing, you know, how elite some of those teams are, the athletes they got, you know, the coaching um, and stuff like that, you know, I think, you know, it really helps. It gives us an idea on, you know, how to, you know, tackle, um, you know, really good teams and, you know, just going, going into conference play, you know, I think it just gives us, you know, a little bit of a head start. Um, and yeah. And Jaron, I know that you, that, that St. Bonaventure's fans are known as some of the craziest in the country. What was the atmosphere in there like tonight? Crazy. We didn't even have our student section. Yeah, yeah man. ESPN saw that. It looked a little, looked a little bare behind the two rooms, but um, we didn't even have our student section, and it was pretty. It was pretty loud. Yeah. Um, like I said, these fans um, in Olean and across the country, they come out here and they come back to watch us play. 
Um, it's just a blessing, honestly. Um, they take time out of their days. They pay their money, their hard-earned money to come watch us play. Um, and they treat us like, um, like, the, like the number one people in the world. So it's, it's honestly a blessing to play for St. Bonaventure and play with these guys. Um, you know, I'm just thankful. You know, I'm just a kid from Michigan trying to, you know, my guy knows how Michigan is, man. It's a lot colder over here, though. I'm not going to lie. Oh, hey, it's pretty cold today, but I believe you. You've been through it, so if you say it, I believe you. Yeah, it was rocking, though. Today was rocking, especially anytime it's a, it's a game like VCU, those fans are going to show up for sure. All right, so we'll leave you guys with a fun one. As I mentioned at the top, I believe you're the first duo that we brought on the Field of 68 after dark. Uh, so I want to play a quick little rapid-fire game here. I'm going to ask, just pose a question where the answer will be one of the two of you. And I'd like both of you to answer that by pointing to the person that you think the question applies to. So, for example, if I said, who has the better hoodie on, and it was me or Kevin Sweeney, I would point at Kevin Sweeney, and he would point at himself. So we'll, okay. we'll fly through three of these real quick. Let's start. Who's the better dancer? We, me for uh, sure. Is you? All right. All right. Uh, sure. I'm going to point my hand up here. I'm going to point it up here. What's, uh, what's the go-to move? I do it all, man. <laughs> you know, I might, I might get a little Dougie. I'm like, I don't know, man. You might, I might get a little, little blade dance from the city. You yeah, know that. Like, three. So, you know, I like I like dancing. Um, one of those favorite things, I when I was younger, it was always to dance with my mom. My mom always taught me, like, a way to a woman's heart is through her feet. So that's what I always, that's what I always learned how to do it. <laughs> you really represent the state of Michigan right now. I, I love it. <laughs> All right, last one, last one. Five seconds on the clock, tie game. Who should have the ball in their hands? Uh, we gonna point zero. <laughs> <laughs> we gonna point zero. Yeah, <laughs> we gonna give it to Kyle, but we all know Jalen already hit a game winner. So I mean, I made the pass. So yeah. I mean, I guess it could be an idiot anybody, right yeah, it, Anybody's hands, yeah. really. You yeah. know, at the end of the day, like I said. I know where Jalen's going to be. I know where Kyle's going to be. Jalen knows where I'm going to be. We just have that chemistry. It, at the end of the day, game with a shot. Any of, us can take any, it. Of us, any of us can take it. So. Hey, and that's a perfect example of why St. Bonaventure is a team you must watch. Thank you, Jaron, Jalen. We're rooting for you guys the rest of the year and really appreciate you guys making time. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. Carter, it was good talking to another Michigan guy in Jaron Holmes. I mean, you got to love hearing some of that. He's putting on for the state. We got hoopers, man. That's what we do. You know, we show people where we're from on the map like this, and then we put the ball in the basket, except for me, but everybody else does. <laughs> uh, it was really good talking to those guys. It's good to see St. Bonaventure back on track, getting some of the love that they deserve. There's another mid-major team in the A-10 in particular that I've been very high on this season that got – a massive win at basically the buzzer tonight. That would be Davidson, who won on the road at Richmond. They're 14-2. and two. They're the second-best three-point shooting team in the country. And Foster Lawyer's their point guard. Carter, I know you've paid a little attention to what Davidson's been doing this year. Hey, yeah, for all my TikTok people, every time I see Foster hooping, I'll be like, go little rock star. My, my young boy is hooping, man. Didn't work out his day, but I always love to see – my young sons go somewhere else and prosper. Davidson's a perfect spot for him. Perfect system. Let it rain. He's a dead-eye shooter, and that's exactly what he's doing for that team. And Davidson's making some noise. No one wants to play them boys come March. I know that for a fact. 13 straight wins for Davidson. I believe that's the most in the country right now. I believe, I'm like 99% sure that's the longest active winning streak in college basketball. Look, with, with Lawyer, I mean – this is a good team without him. You know, they have Menenga and Brad Shivek up front and, you know, Hyunjun Lee who can really shoot it. Um, but I think, you know, when Lawyer committed, it was just like such an obviously awesome fit at the time. And it's something that comes out of nowhere because Davidson doesn't recruit transfers really. It's just not really what they do. They're a developmental program. And you heard that and you're like, man, like if there was ever a system for Foster Lawyer, who is this great shooter, but not necessarily, you know, an elite uh, ball handed because he couldn't create space in the Big Ten. And he struggled with his athleticism. It's to go down to a place that has done it with those kids over and over again at a lower level. So he's not going to be overwhelmed athletically. 
and it has just been a match made in heaven with Bob McKillop. It was exactly what Davidson needed. It has been exactly what Foster Lawyer needed. And you hear a lot of kind of transfer portal hate all the time. Like this was a perfect example of where the transfer portal won for a kid. And it's going to make Foster Lawyer money one day playing basketball. He's having a great college experience. I'm sure in the Atlantic 10, he's going to win the league or be close to it, be in the NCAA tournament mix. I mean, it's everything you can ask for. I don't know if you guys could hear that at home, but Carter Elliott said nice things about Foster Lawyer and then sirens started coming out. So I feel like, you know, are you allowed to do that as the Michigan State podcast of Unscripted? First of all, that was Sweeney's background. I was just about to ask him to blink twice if they're coming to get him, but I think he's fine. (laughs) We good. We good. All right. We're all good. Um, All right. So I want to pose a a mid-major question for you guys here before we move on. We talked St. Bonaventure. We talked Davidson, Loyola Chicago, a team that all three of us are mostly invested in. Um, we, you've also got some, you know, like San Francisco has been fantastic this year. If you had to close your eyes and bet on one team to make a final four run that is not a major conference team, gun to your head, who are you taking? Kevin Sweeney, let's go to you first. I'm taking Loyola Chicago because the guys there have done it before. Um, Lucas Williamson and Hiro Uwak were on the team that went to the Final Four. Lucas was a key contributor on that team. You know, the other guys have all, you know, played the Sweet 16. Um, they've won at a high level. And I just think there's an experience factor there that will be so valuable. They will not be wowed by the lights. They're theoretically going to get a decent or a more decent draw because they're going to get a better seed in the NCAA tournament than most mid-majors tr- traditionally do because of the resume that they've built. And there's just like an expectation inside that place of success and not just making the NCAA tournament, but making noise when you get there. I think it has to be the Ramblers because of, because of that experience. And again, people will say, Oh, it's a first year head coach. Well, Drew Valentine showed up at Loyola and the first year he was there, they made a final four and the fourth year he was there, made a sweet 16. I mean, like Drew has been so essential to that winning culture that has been built there and, I have no doubt that, that this group has the potential to make a run. And look, it's all matchups, but I think they have they have pieces without that. Yeah, and while while we're mentioning Drew Valentine and Loyola, they've been in some close games lately. Some games that I'm sure even Drew Valentine would tell you he wishes were not that close. But I want people at home to pay some attention to what happens when there's a set run by Loyola Chicago out of a timeout late in the game because for my money. This guy is getting open looks for his team more than any other coach in the country right now. It's been impressive to watch. And it's why they've survived in these games where they have really been on the ropes and had to come back down the stretch and make key plays. Uh, Carter, what's your answer to that question? You want to know why why else they survived? And I'm here to I'm here to lead the charge right now because the charge needs to be led of the Braden Norris fan club. That young man cannot be shook. I swear to God. You throw him in a cage with a bear, help the goddamn bear. The dude cannot be shook at all. They do. They, I mean, he just runs everything perfectly. Like, he never looks rushed, never looks sped up. He's a knockdown shooter. He is taking the role right now of initiating the offense more with the loss of Cameron Crutwig. I absolutely love watching him play basketball. And also to go to the fact that and to double down on what Sweeney said as well, they not only have they been there, but also I still feel like they're not being talked about enough or even coming into this year. Teams like St. Bonnie's and Davidson, I feel like there was a lot of hype coming into the year that they would be that mid-major to make that run in the tournament. And I don't think there was enough loyalty talk because of the transitions as Drew Ballantyne's the first year head coach and another, and other factors like losing Cameron Crutwig. But look, this team is still extremely good. Lucas Williamson has been there. This team's ready for the moment. Do not count out Loyola. And they got the best shoes out of any staff. I love Bob McKillop, but he is not touching Drew Valentine's shoe game. The the one thing I'll add with Braden. So I, I was at Loyola uh, Tuesday when they beat Valpo in double overtime. And Braden just like exploded in, in the overtime sessions. Like that kid has played so much basketball in the last week going into that. And he like rolled up to the, to like the press conference and looked like he could have just been like, like ready to go to like a frat party or like ready to go, like sit in the student union and do some like business homework. Like the kid is just like so cool, calm and collected and like sharp. Those are two wildly different things, Sweeney. Oh, but no, he, he could have done either. Like he was just, he just looked like he was 
fresh off like a long, like a long day's work. It was Sit fantastic. in the student union and do business homework. <laughs> how, 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 how about this for, for, a, for a thing on, uh, on Braden? Like this kid made like four threes in overtime and everyone else's shots all day had been, had been short. And I asked him, I said, were you guys fatigued? Like all your shots were short. And he was like, no, no, we weren't fatigued at all. And then Drew Valentine walks in and it's like, the whole team was like horribly tired today. And that's on me for the schedule. I was like, this kid's just a dog, man. Like he doesn't like he's, he's going to compete. He was, he was not going to admit that he was tired. Let's put it that way. Listen, as much as I would love to pose the question, what would happen if you put Braden Norris and Foster Lawyer in the same room <laughs> and lock them in a room together for 24 hours? I have more exciting news, folks. We have fresh off a great victory, a massive Big Ten victory for Illinois. We have Trent Frazier coming live on After Dark, powered by Bet Rivers. That's coming up next. We're back on the field of 68 after dark with our guest, Trent Frazier from Illinois, fresh off the massive win at home against Michigan. Trent, I got to start just by asking, it looked like it was rocking in the building tonight. What was the atmosphere like in the arena? It was amazing. You know, having Illini fans, you know, having, you know, Orange Crush back in State Farm again after break, it was amazing. That They brought a lot of energy, you know, obviously high level game between two, you know, elite programs. It was it was fun to be a part of it. And, you know, this this is why I came to this university, you know, to play in high level games like this. So, like I said, just having, you know, Illini fans back in here tonight was awesome. They brought it tonight. And, you know, kudos to them. Do you guys feel, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, do you guys feel a little slept on right now? I mean, you guys are undefeated in the league. Uh, you know, after that you know slow start, you guys have been as good as any team in the country. Do you guys feel like the, the country is sleeping on the fighting Illini? Oh, uh, not at all. I don't think that, I don't think that um, we don't really try to get into the rankings, really. You know, we're just taking it day by day, continue to get better. And, you know, taking every game, you know, Big Ten game as it was for a tournament. You know, we go into every game as like it's a sweet 16 game, you know, and we need to, you know, get this W. So uh, we don't really care what the rankings are, really. You know, we just come in every night ready to play and, you know, try to, you know, get the W. For sure. So, Trent, I mean, coming into this year, all the talk of the Big Ten is all about the big men. I mean, you play one of the most dominant big men in the, you know, in the country and in the conference. But it seems like the guards just never really got mentioned coming into this year. Does that factor into, you know, you know, a little bit of the disrespect that, you know, you, you know, the guards just weren't really mentioned in the Big Ten conference this year? Um, I guess I guess you could say that. I mean, we kind of, you know, we kind of go in every game with a ch- well, at least me. I go in every game with a little chip on my shoulder, um, you know, being a fifth year, you know, I have experience. So, you know, we kind of know how to, you know, finish games, you know, close out games. So, I mean, like I said, I don't really try to get into all the rankings and, you know, awards, but, you know, I just come out every night and do what I do best um, and, and kind of do whatever it takes to help my, you know, help my team, you know, win. Brent, I got to tell you, man, I'm a big 10 guy. I've watched you for years from the outside looking in. You've been one of my favorite players to observe. I love your chippiness. I love how competitive you are. I love how you'll get in whoever your opponent's grill is for 40 minutes and just make it a living hell for whoever your assignment is. It's a pleasure to watch you. Now, because I've watched you for all these years and I know this about you, I also know that this game meant something to Illinois tonight. There's been a back and forth between the Michigan program and the Illinois program. Obviously, Hunter Dickinson didn't play tonight. But what did this win mean for you guys and your team in that context? Um, like I said earlier, I think it's just an elite high-level game between two programs. That's really good. You know, Joan Howard does an unbelievable job, you know, with that program, getting them to play at a high level every night. Uh, but, you know, just 
it, it, I think it's and most importantly getting another W, you know, in, in that column. I think that's important. Uh, I think we're, we're headed in the right direction. Like you said, we started off really, you know, rough. We were everywhere, but, you know, I, I'm so glad, you know, our team responded in the second half of the season. You know, just coming together and figuring things out um, and just continue to get better every day. You know, freshmen are stepping up. You know, a lot of new guys, younger guys, you know, coming in ready to compete every day. So uh, it, it really starts in practice. We're competing at a high level every day in practice. And, you know, it shows in the game. But tonight was special. And, you know, it's always great, you know, to, you know, uh, get a W. Trent, I, I remember after the Arizona loss, you know, your, your head coach, Brad Underwood, came in and was like, we need to be a tougher basketball team. And we are going to figure that out in practice. Um, for you, you know, what do you think has been the biggest difference in practice for you guys in the last few weeks that's allowed you guys to have success you've had lately? Um, just being tougher. I think it starts, you know, like I said, we're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. Um, we, we, we had a lot of turnovers, you know, early in the, in the season, just, you know, being tougher in that, in those areas, you know, I think that's the most important thing, being tougher, guarding the ball, um, you know, being tougher, you know, on defense, you know, just everything, you know, that can help, you know, help us win. I think that's what we've been getting a lot better at in practice. Uh, we've been focusing on a lot of, you know, just establishing our defense. You know, we, that's what we're about last year. We're top five, top, top five in both offense and defense. And this year, you know, we kind of slipped that away. So, and I think it's just in that area, just being tougher on that side of the ball, just, you know, getting after guys and making it tough. So looking forward to Monday, you guys got a big game against Purdue, two of the top teams in the Big Ten. I know a lot of eyes are going to be on that matchup. You got elite guard play with you guys and as well as Jay Ivey as well. What are you looking forward to most about that game? Um, I think it's going to be another high-level basketball game. Like you said, two elite programs at the top of the ten right now. Uh, Purdue's playing one their their best basketball right now. They're playing unbelievable. Uh, they have some high-level basketball players, and you know I'm excited. You know, you know to be a part of this game. Like I said, that's why I came to this university to be a part of games just like that. So um, it should be fun. You know, um, and it's going to be a tough game for 40 minutes, and we just got to stick together and be able to take punches for 40 minutes and respond. All right, Trent. Thank you for being here. I'll leave you with one final question for you. One of my favorite moments of the Big Ten season last year was seeing you, I believe it was with, with a Sharpie on a loose leaf piece of paper, holding up a little Big Ten champ sign. Talk <laughs> me through that moment. I mean, what, what was that? Um, I mean, it was just kind of just something I felt. You know, I think we all felt in the locker room. I mean, um, you know, obviously with COVID last year, games were canceled, but we just felt like, you know, like I said, we come out every night with a chip on our shoulder. We just felt like, you know, uh, a, a, a title got taken away from us and we just wanted to come out there and prove, you know, that we were the best team in the conference last year and, and it showed. Um, and I'm glad, you know, we, we, we came out in on top last year and we did a hell of a job just, you know, continue to, you know, get better and just play every night with a chip on our shoulder. So um, I think that was just a little something to just to show, you know, not just the conference, but the world, you know, what we're about and, you know, I'm, you know, Illinois is back. Couldn't have said it better right there, my friend. It was a pleasure watching you tonight. I can't wait to watch you the rest of the season. Good luck to you and your team, Trent. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, Trent. Thank you. All right, that was Illinois' Trent Frazier, fresh off a big victory against Hunter dickinson list Michigan tonight. This is the Field of 68 After Dark. Again, my name is Greg Waddell, here with Sleepers Media's Carter Elliott, Sports Illustrated's Kevin Sweeney. We got about two minutes left, fellas. Let's wrap with toast of the night. I've got a mango lemonade truly right here. I see you two have both been sipping on some cups. Give me one person, player, coach, anything you want to toast to as we wrap the show tonight. Sweeney, let's go to you first. Well, I got, I got to show love to the hometown. Uh, the Siena women's basketball team, my twin brother is the head manager. They started 0-10 on the season. 
uh, and they've won their last two. Uh, it's been a rousing performance. So uh, love you, bro. Half of you guys are getting getting off the schneid and, and finding some wins and finding some happiness. So cheers to you guys. It's time for the cartel, and I got me a nice cup of White Claw and a little bit of nightmare fuel. Word to my guy, Coach T.O., and my cheers goes to non only Joey Hauser, Michigan State University, go green, go white, the top team in the Big Ten currently with a game winner after all the noise I was talked about him. Cheers to you, you mentally strong, beautiful human being. Hell of a game winner. All right, I got a, I got a sentimental one here. I'm going to cheers to a certain member of this very show tonight, a certain member who is not Carter Elliott or Kevin Sweeney or Greg Waddell. I'm talking Mr. Dagan Hughes, who is behind the scenes producing this show. I saw it up close and personal this weekend for the field of 12. We had an awesome national championship live show where he was working what seemed like 27 hour days. The man is the best in the business. Dagan, cheers to you. And also importantly, Dagan is the only member that I know of at the field of 68 who didn't text Carter and I don't mess this up tonight. So Dagan, we appreciate that, my friend, uh, and signing off for the field of 68, which you can hear on Sirius XM radio. As soon as next Monday, I'm with Carter Elliott. I'm with Kevin Sweeney. My name is Greg Waddell field of 68 after dark. Thanks for watching. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.